0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, October the 18th, 2023. Uh, interesting piece in Fast Company from a couple of days ago, uh, talking about the Fascinating History of Handheld Video Games. There's a new book out celebrating this, uh, which treats, in a sense, video games as a form of art, incipient cinema or some other burgeoning creative force. The book is called A Handheld History, a comprehensive celebration of handheld consoles and their iconic games from indie journal publisher Lost in Cult, Uh, It's a collectively authored, collectively edited, collectively written book uh, by a group called Lost in Cult. And uh, its CEO, John Doyle, is joining us from Sirencester, just outside London. Uh, John, tell me a little bit about Lost in Cult. What exactly you do before we get to the book? Sure.
1: Um, We started during the pandemic. We were essentially a group of friends uh that came together to want to make a video game journal uh we we kind of reached out we wanted something that was a little bit more art driven kind of design focused uh there wasn't really a huge amount in the space everything for the most part tends to be quite um childish or a little bit too technical so we yeah so we we pulled our forces together we built a kickstarter for a video game journal which was called lock on and we ran a kickstarter and that was uh successful Uh, We then went on to make several other journals since then. And the audience for those has grown quite significantly over time. Uh, During this period, we started to get various partners and uh, developers reach out to us to see if we would work with them. And a Handheld History was one of those projects. So we kind of uh, banded together to make it happen. And it was yeah really successful at the time. Um, We were able to bring together multiple voices. Uh, Our journals and our books are all very community driven what we do is we focus on bringing in different people and different artists and developers and trying to tell their stories effectively, try and tell a history from not so much of a technical standpoint, but looking at it from a personal, like growing up with the game consoles, what they mean to you, looking at the, uh, the art, and the design that's gone into them, less focusing on the reviews and the tech side of things.
0: Tell me about your own personal history. I know that you're intimately, your own narrative is intimately bound up with all this.
1: Yeah. So, for me, video games have always been, I would say, like an escape. So when I was a kid, I used to use uh, video game consoles at times when I was maybe sad or, um, you, you know, uh, I wasn't the most popular kid. So Why? video games were really um, no idea. Maybe it's the way I look, but I was. We um, didn't always look
0: like that, did you? For No, life. maybe
1: not. <laughs> no, unfortunately, no, I was I guess I was shy and reserved. Um, and video games for me were always a great escape. And I was able to forge like a bond with my dad over video games. So we used to we used to sit and we used to um, play on the latest video games at the time. I remember having a, a Sega game console when I was a kid, and I remember him unwrapping it on Christmas, and we, we used to sit for hours on end playing Sonic the Hedgehog, and that those were very fond memories for me. Again, I, being quite shy and reserved, I didn't necessarily go to go out to parties or parks or on school trips. I would always. Kind of find myself sat in front of the tv playing video games Uh, i also had quite severe learning difficulties when i was young so it was always very difficult for me to i guess socialize or really like read and write was a great struggle as i was growing up and i used to video games for me were like a form of relaxation and escaping into different worlds kind of helped me uh, pass the time as i grew older uh, i had more of an affinity video games and i started to really Get invested in the stories they were telling and the artistry that went behind them and then as i got older obviously i felt that that side of the industry was kind of pushed to the back in front of the uh the more apparent means which are i guess you see stories about monetization about big tech companies buying one another and there's less focus on some of these like smaller games or developers and the artwork and all the work that goes into the games because they are medium that requires hundreds of people working on a project everyone puts all of their time and resources into them and a lot of those stories just kind of get lost to time with with movies in particular there's always been well since about the 80s there's been really good movie preservation so people have been trying to have been trying to preserve films like at the time i remember hearing about how breakfast at tiffany's and the alamo had nearly Kind of corroded to dust, and then preservationists got their hands on them, were able to restore them and re-release them. Video games, unfortunately, have never really had that. Um, there's there's been a disregard for video games over the years. That once the system has moved on, video games are then subject to that time period. They become inaccessible. Uh, their stories get lost to time, and it was yeah, it was an ambition of ours to try and tell those stories to a. Uh,
0: so so to your to attempt create. is to sort of turn video games into a a form of art they're a very intimate art what was your do you remember your relationship not just with the art itself but with the device you were glued to your device
1: yeah i guess um that i've always been a big fan of like japanese design philosophy and video games in particular the systems themselves tended to be very um the way they look the tactile nature of them how they felt that was always a big a big draw for me the visuals and being quite having quite a good sense of imagination as a kid i used to find the worlds on the screen were quite captivating so they would always obviously bring me in and get me invested but the systems themselves it's handheld consoles in particular a very personal system are something that when you get it you take it around with you you've always got it with you you're kind of um you're kind of latch to it effectively and it becomes a very personal uh, device that kind of follows you through multiple memories effectively i remember sitting in the hospital when my dad got sick and i was sat on my game boy and that was again like a form of escapism for me so that became a very personal system and i took it around with me and i have a lot of memories linked to that device
0: we're speaking with john doyle the ceo of uh, lost in cult a, a group focused on collective publishing in some ways, collective memories of handheld devices and video games. Uh, So John, tell me about how you put together this new book. It was a collective effort. Uh, I thought of you as the author, but of course you're not. This doesn't have an author, is that fair?
1: Yeah, I would say that's fair. We, We effectively, we structured it in such a way that we looked at the entire portfolio of handheld video game consoles And we looked for people that had, we obviously did an outreach and we reached out to people we were aware of in the space to try and find the most intimate stories we could to uh, bulk out the history effectively, but tell it from a very personal journey rather than a technical standpoint. Where I'm very much aware that if you wanted to learn the technical nature of it, there are other products on the market, or there are various websites that can teach you that quite in depth. Whereas the personal side of our industry is what really does get lost. Um, I've, I've always been a keen believer in preserving artwork, even if others don't consider it art, others, you know, various people do. And the personal stories of people are quite important. Um, and so are the games that, during that time period, that can
0: get lost effectively. What do you make of the critics of video gaming? Uh, some people suggest that you'd be better off as a kid growing up reading a book uh, than in playing video games. Is Playing video games, essentially the same thing as reading a book or watching a movie or reading a magazine or listening to music.
1: I think it is a becoming more so like that over time. I think in the early infancy of video games, it was obviously very, uh, you could boil it down to very simple uh, mechanics and very simple gameplay, LCD screen-based consoles that were effectively kind of souped up calculators. But now the medium is churning out Epic blockbusters with the budgets of free movies that tell really, really good stories uh, that can match the the caliber of a movie. Uh, recent games like The Last of Us, uh, which has now obviously been adapted into a TV show, they're prime examples of how that narrative can kind of like a transmedia can kind of crossover. Um, so I feel video games haven't been taken seriously. Uh, I feel like that it's becoming more apparent over time that people want them, you know, want them to be there's always going to be critics, unfortunately. I think mean, there's always going to be people that are stuck to the the belief that video games are a kid's toy or you should move on or, like you said, you should read a book. But for a lot of us, um, growing up with video games was very important. And I guess that's kind of formed our formed our mindsets as we get older, effectively.
0: I know with this book, you're trying to combine Japanese design and the, the curatorial qualities of a, of a, a, a Sotheby's catalogue on the japanese design front how much was early video games how much were they influenced by uh, anime and and other forms of graphic japanese art
1: i would say to a degree but the the overlap only really started to kick in a little bit later the initial video games i would say were more inspired by trying to t- chase the, the disney train um I think video games now have maybe taken a lot more of an anime approach just because that medium has grown so much. I remember being young and anime was not considered remotely remotely cool. Uh, it would be something you'd watch on Channel 4 of an evening, um, at like at t- midnight, and you wouldn't tell anyone at school that you were watching it. Whereas now, everyone I know that's under the age of 20 is a huge anime fan. So I think that inspiration has evolved over time. I would say the early inception was more so based around western ideology so working towards um kind of the the happy disney model would have been one of the main inspiration points
0: one area of video gaming that again i obviously need to tell you this that's quite controversial is the the violent aspects were the early video games the pioneering video games did they contain quite a lot of violence or, or was that a later feature i think
1: I think they tried to tell stories in the very like beginning. So you had, uh, there was very few and far between horror games and they would be single pixels on a screen with a little tiny red dot that would represent blood. They wouldn't really tell a very fleshed out story. Obviously over time, as the medium has got more advanced, it's been able to tell more, uh, I guess, more violent tales um, and the visualization on that can be interpreted as being good or bad. I would say something that tells a meaningful story and has violence in it, again, like The Last of Us, probably has a, a more rightful place than say a a meaningless shooter that is just an online monetization tool effectively. I think that's where the crossover can happen. Um, I think if the story is being told in the right way, it, it's valid, but in the beginning there, I think horror, When we had the boom for things like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, that really inspired a lot of developers to kind of chase that horror whale. Um, And that's really when it started to kick in, which was around about the PlayStation 1 era, I would say. Uh, It took handhelds, because, because handheld technology is slightly more, well, it's basic in comparison, it was harder to tell a scary story or tell a violent story effectively. So that part of the medium definitely hit home consoles first. Uh, there was obviously a lot of controversy for games like Doom back in the day. Um, I think that ha- that controversy happened when I was very, very young, so I wasn't really much very much aware of it, but people considered it to be obviously a violent tool that was corrupt in the use, etc. Um, and when you look at it now, it's quite playful or tame in comparison. But I guess quite a lot of movies, you'd say the same of uh, people consider The Exorcist or Friday the 13th to have been incredibly gratuitous at the time, or even Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And when you look at it now, compared to some of the the gory movies that exist or the violence uh, that we see at cinema, uh, it's, it yeah, pales in comparison.
0: John, is there an, an element of, of nostalgia in the book for a, a purer kind of handheld era? Uh, do people still... Is is video gaming s- still dominated by, by, by handhelds or have consoles become essentially computers
1: i would say handheld gaming it has still has a strong place but it's by um it's by means of mobile Uh, so Mm. mobile phones are by far the most dominant gaming platform now in existence so uh, because but they're also work tools there's a weird overlap there and i think gaming on mobile at the moment is in kind of a is in the shade effectively because a lot of the games on mobile are kind of designed around predatory monetization, as in trying to get money out of people to pay to win is what we call it. They're effectively putting money into a game so they could be the best at it. And they, they incorporate some, yeah, some shady business practices to say the least in order to get that. There are gems that are released on the platform, but I feel like it's still in its infancy and people are still in the take advantage of people phase, um, whereas on the other end of the spectrum you have the nintendo switch which is nintendo's or one of nintendo's most successful game consoles of all time but that is more of a hybrid system so you can plug that into your tv and you can play on the big screen there are really no dedicated handheld gaming platforms now that aren't very much experimental everything is really designed around uh, plugging it into a tv effectively or you're playing on your mobile phone
0: your book or the, the book of your community celebrates the the earlier handhelds was there one that you particularly cherish one that somehow captures the the romance excitement intimacy of, of this medium for
1: me it was the Game Boy advance uh in particular the Game Boy advance sp now my memories of it are quite nostalgia driven um it, again my my dad, when I was growing up, he gave me a Game Boy Advance SP, and uh, it was on Christmas, so I became quite attached to that system. I used to carry it around with me everywhere, and that was when I, that was probably the first time I fell in love with handheld gaming. I had always been, since a very young age, more glued to the TV screen, um, whereas the Game Boy Advance SP kind of pulled me away from that, and that system was with me for a very long time. I think I i think I still have it somewhere. Um, I remember playing it religiously, and when I was quite young, my my dad uh, unfortunately got quite ill and I remember taking it a lot of the time to hospital with me to uh, play while he was in there so yeah for me it was a form of escapism but that system I became very attached to because of those memories
0: to be uh, and maybe correct me if I'm thinking about this in the wrong way to be a good handheld device player is it mostly a, a tactile experience or an intellectual one or a combination of the two and is it or was it in the beginning was it quite competitive did you run up scores were there leagues of the best players
1: games games used to be designed with one aspect in mind and that was taking as much money from people in arcades as they possibly could so there was very much a heavy degree of like building up a score um if you think in the the very early days er, er, arcades were the main point of attraction and Mm. then they brought consoles to the home so those systems were designed to be deliberately very difficult so that people uh, would keep putting the quarters in uh, quarter chomping effectively the adaptation to handhelds was very different because you didn't need that mechanic anymore so it became more about i guess yeah the tactile nature of it so playing the, the system themselves how they play the interaction there and certain titles such as tetris were obviously very addictive so people were kind of glued to them continuously playing these very um well, i mean addictive is the right word right so people were very much glued to them uh, playing those titles and then you have games like mario which are more skill based and reaction based uh, you would rather than chase a high score you would always look for what you would call completion so you would go for you need every star every coin every level so that that would def- that was definitely one aspect that really kind of defined them in the beginning it's less so about that now i mean there are people that still chase um completion but a lot of games have kind of focused more on the story elements or the online elements so playing together as a community or playing like a story driven game have kind of been the direction the medium has gone in now more so apart from on mobile on mobile it's all about the score it's all about how good you can be it's all about the leaderboard and it's all about Again, unfortunately, that's where the monetization creeps in because people pay to be able to be higher up on that leaderboard. We've luckily escaped that, I would say, with the main platforms, but it's still quite prevalent on mobile, the same way as it was in the very early days of the arcades.
0: Presumably, the the big tech players, Apple in particular and Google, have cleverly taken uh, a, a cut in all this.
1: Yeah, they. I'm not sure what the exact cuts are, so don't quote me on that, but I believe they take a good portion of every app transaction and every in-app transaction. So the sale of the game and then any internal sales they take revenue from. So if someone was to release a highly addictive uh, game that required you to pay money to win it, the tech companies would receive payment for every transaction. Yes. Whereas obviously on a Game Boy, you buy a cartridge, you're paying a one-time charge, and then you've got that cartridge with you for the foreseeable future to keep playing the game
0: john you you noted that the early handheld games were often collective endeavors are you trying to replicate that with the book itself which is also a collective endeavor and indeed with your uh with your company if that's the right word lost in cult
1: i feel that yeah there's definitely a sense of uh unity within the gaming community there's um lots of people that have stories to tell and there's lots of really fascinating insights that just uh are kind of as i've said before getting lost to time and that was very similar with the way that video game consoles in the early days were developed it was very much ragtag groups of misfits kind of banding together to make these systems in their garages um, in the early days of atari and nintendo especially they kind of uh, they started as a very experimental systems and they've now gone on to be huge players in the market. I think mean, you see a very similar thing with most kind of tech empires. Like Amazon started in a garage, Apple probably started in a garage. Um, I think everything has to begin with a sense of coming together to make something you really like and love. Now, if it gets lost along the way, that seems to be the issue that most tech companies have. Whereas obviously when we were formulating this this project and some, some of our journals, um, we just want the voices of the people that were involved uh, from a from a like a gamer's perspective to be in there and also tell the stories of developers that maybe get overlooked during that period
0: John when I was growing up I'd go to arcades but uh there was no video gaming it was really in the earlier stages to play pinball my son was very much into magic the gathering a card game are those both ancestors in a way uh, distant cousins to video gaming What, what, what kind of intellectual lineage have you traced in the in the history of creativity
1: i would say that both of those are inter interconnected in different ways to the video game segment we're seeing now a, like a big resurgence in like tabletop rpgs um mm. stuff like dungeons and dragons for example obviously that's been pioneered by tv shows like stranger things have kind of adapted that to make it cool again but there was a huge space in the 80s where that that was kind of an underground scene of people coming together similar to magic the gathering um that people would kind of come together with their friends they would play these games and that has kind of crept into gaming more and more you see games very much inspired by that by that legacy um in terms of pinball etc yeah that is very much linked to video games uh, that there you can still get multiple video games based on pinball simulators and stuff and most arcades you visit now will have like legacy pinball machines from various companies that went on to make video games. Um, I believe they were especially prevalent in America and Japan in particular.
0: You've personalized this in terms of your lonely childhood. As you noticed, you didn't have a lot of friends and your real friend perhaps was your, your handheld device. We live in an age now, John, of anxiety. We've done many, many shows on why young people these days are so anxious Uh, have you given that much thought and can video gaming is it the consequence or the cause is it a solution or does it simply deepen people's loneliness and anxiety in, in in our age of social media and isolation i think it
1: depends on the situation for for me in particular I could now say that I have made more friends via the communities within video games. So Discord chats, Twitter, making like friends of mutual uh, beliefs and same preferences and same tastes in video games. That has definitely allowed me to find people with similar interests. Is when Discord, I was much
0: just, sorry to jump in here, is Discord, so, which is um, a, a social media platform, is it a particularly rich network for, for video gamers? considerable
1: yeah it's an online chat room effectively uh, where people kind of come together in niche communities so there are i'm in discord chats for playstation fans i'm in them for nintendo fans i'm in them for uh, indie book fans uh, vinyl record fans and the communities have a place where they can come together and it's a great space for there's lots of people in these channels that are definitely anxious or lonely and at least they have a platform where they can talk to people with similar interests there's also platforms like Twitch streaming, um, where right. people can go on. That you you see people on there streaming
0: with two people watching, but for and them, this is an Amazon-owned company, uh, Correct, they are right now, yeah, multi-billion-dollar company.
1: Yeah, there's there's alternatives, but what tends to happen is something really good comes along, everyone loves it, and then a tech giant buys it and then probably ruins it. That seems to be the way that the 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 segment goes more often okay. than not. But as of right now, Discord is a great community and it's kind of replaced the aid the old forums that we used to see on the internet that people used to always jump on um i would say it's a friendlier space now obviously any of these tools can also be used for bad there are i'm sure there's negative groups on those channels but the good thing with discord is you only access the ones you want to access if that makes sense you join in yeah. and yeah with with streaming platforms like twitch for example you see people on there that only have two viewers but for them those two viewers really do matter you know that's given them a sense of oh, people are interested in me. People are watching what I'm doing and they can kind of talk to their communities. And I feel like it's a place where people can build friends uh, more than anything. Now there are, with online video games, uh, you could say the same, but there's obviously bad sides to that as well. You know, there's um, harsh uh, comments being passed around on Call of Duty, leaderboards, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's all depends on the, the event itself and the game and the platform that is happening in.
0: John, let's end this conversation um, looking forwards. You've looked backwards. The book is, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a, um, it, it's a project of nostalgia, but it certainly resonates for those people who, who grew up in this medium using these devices. Where would you like video gaming to go? Where would you, what have you learned about video gaming and devices, hardware and software? that you'd like to see the industry go so that kids like kids like yourself, uh, but 20 years younger would grow up with a positive experience of video gaming.
1: I think we're on the precipice of it going in one of two directions. I think we're either going to go in the direction of it being a dystopian tech owned nightmare, or we're going to kind of fall back on ourselves a little bit with nostalgia uh, people unifying around consoles like the Nintendo Switch, for example. That is a platform that I see being uh, in a position of good. Uh, It's it's very fun. It's got these great story-driven narrative titles. It uh, it allows people to experiment on the platform. But then there is obviously the risk that um, we can see more uh, of these uh, monetization-based games and whatnot kind of coming from the tech angle. Uh, I'd be keen to see it follow one route, I'm sure it will go the whatever the tech companies want to put their money into. Is what about more entrepreneurs,
0: though? I mean, startup entrepreneurs who who love video gaming. What can they do to create new products that might benefit ultimately everyone?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you see, there's companies like Panic, for example. They've just released a video game console called the Playdate. Now, it's extremely niche, but it's a small handheld console with a little crank, and it's designed with open source software, so anybody can create video games for that system. Um, and they they've managed to produce that ship it and it's in the hands of thousands of gamers around the world they can make their own games they can sell them online so it's built a whole community those are the direction i feel i'm most excited for the homebrew as we call it systems that people kind of make out of love of the medium and nostalgia have a warmer place in my heart than where the technological side of it could go if you look just purely at advancements